Amen, amen. Let's stand together. Great song, great hymn of the faith. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Let's sing that together this morning, church. Sing it from your heart today.
your name today. We give glory to your name today. Father, we thank you for being in this place today. We feel your presence. Father, we pray for our pastor as he comes to share with us today. Father, a portion of your word that you would have us here today. Father, we're thankful for the amazing grace that we have in you and the assurance that you are with us through good times and bad. And Father, we're grateful for that day that you came into our heart and come in and took over as Lord of our life. Father, we sing praises for that today. Bless our time together today, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. It is great to see you this morning. I do. I too want to also congratulate Brother Tim. Uh, what a big deal in his life, and um, he's been planning this. Tim, forevermore, you shall now be known as Tim Romeo Height. okay? And so we are so proud of you. Um, she said yes. Um, what a glorious thing that is, and we're happy for you and Brittany. I also am intrigued by the things that you hear in worship. You never know you're going to hear words about engagement. You also never know you're going to hear about riding little rocky horses and singing Blessed Assurance, and so that's fun as well. God bless you, and thank you for being in church today. It's a great day to be in God's house. And I want to begin the sermon this day. I want you to go with me this way today. I want you to go with me and imagine we have two people. Their names are Frank and Jerry. And Frank and Jerry are both in worship this morning at First Baptist Church, Corsicana. They're listening to the pastor and they've both been Christians for over 20 years. But there's a big difference today with Frank and Jerry because during the message, Frank has his Bible open and he's taking notes. Now, Frank is occasionally nodding his head in agreement. He even is letting out an amen from time to time as he listens to the sermon. He's totally engaged in hearing the Word of God. However, one row in front of Frank, Jerry is sitting there, and he too is nodding, but it's not in agreement this morning. He can barely keep his eyes open. He stayed up too late watching college football. He didn't bring his Bible. He's certainly not taking notes, but instead he's looking at his watch and he's wondering, when is this all going to finally end so I can go home? He's so bored, he starts counting the lights and the chandeliers. He's counting the panes and the glass to the side. He's out of it. You see, Frank and Jerry are listening to the same exact message from the same exact pastor. And you ask, what's the difference? And the answer, well, Jesus is going to give us the answer in the passage we're studying this morning. Let me give you another example. Uh, This time, it's not two men, but it's two young ladies. Their names are Jessica and Amanda. Now, they are both going into their senior year of high school. They they both grew up at First Baptist Church. They were baptized actually on the same day in the same baptistry. Jessica has her smartphone out, and she's reading the text the pastor is using. Uh, she's using her Bible app, and she knows her senior year is going to be filled with crucial decisions for her life. And so she's sitting on the figurative edge of her seat, knowing that God just might have a word for her. But meanwhile, three seats down, Amanda also has her smartphone out, but she's not using her Bible app. No, she's busy texting her friends and looking at the most recent post on Instagram. Uh, she's aware there's a preacher leaving, offering a message from the Bible, but she's not really listening. You see, the 
also are both listening to the same message given in the same place by the same pastor, but one is engaged and the other completely distracted and bored. So how do you explain the difference between Jessica and Amanda? Well, the same answer applies. Jesus today gives us that answer in the parable that we're about to study from the Gospel of Mark. It's called the parable of the sower. It's one of Jesus' most famous of all parables, and I think it's really the parable about receiving the Word of God. I want you to take your Bibles and let's go to Mark's Gospel. Uh, We are continuing in this ongoing, exciting study of Mark's Gospel. Uh, We've learned a lot of key facts about the Gospels. It's interesting today that this Gospel is a Gospel of action, as we have discussed. It's about the things that Jesus did. But today in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 20, we are offered one of Christ's very first parables. Today, he's not doing something, but he's saying something. He's teaching something. And we have the privilege of studying this together. Let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's word this morning. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, we'll go all the way down through verse 20. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because, but because the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds still fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. Verse nine. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, Let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked Jesus about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but not perceiving and ever hearing but not understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word, the word of God. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and once receive it and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 18, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear it, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even a 100 times what was sown. I love this parable. It is one of the easiest to understand, and I'm so thankful today that we get to study it together. My prayer is that we would have a receptive heart as we receive the word today. God bless you. You may be seated. 
Now, folks, because this was one of the very first parables that Jesus ever told, I'm so thankful on this one that he adds a freebie. In other words, he gives us a simple explanation. And he tells us clearly today that the seed is the word of God. And the word of God gets planted everywhere, but only some of the seeds grow to the point that they actually produce a harvest. And the four soil types given in the parable represent different levels of receptivity to God's word. Now, years ago, when I first started studying this parable, when I was first reading it and understanding it, I thought that the categories that Jesus gives in the parable, I thought they were permanent. I thought that a hard-hearted person was always a hard-hearted person, but now, as I've studied it more and more, I've come to agree with Ray Stedman. Now, if you read the little article I wrote in your worship guide today, I actually quote Ray Stedman, and here's what he said. He said, I used to read this story as though these various soils were four different kinds of people who remain the same all through their lifetimes, but I've come to see that our Lord is what the Lord is describing here is not four types of persons so much, but conditions of our heart at any given moment. Whenever the word is being taught, people are in one condition or another. We've all been callous at times. We've all been emotional and shallow at times. We've all been overly worried about other matters. And we've all had times of being open and responsive to the word. The question is how are we receiving God's word at this moment? Now, that quote led me to do what I was taught back at the seminary. I was always taught, if you can't summarize your message in one simple sentence, then you're not ready to preach it. And so here's the sermon summarized in one sentence, that the spiritual impact of any sermon, the spiritual impact of any Bible message isn't based always on the content of the message, but it depends on how the word is heard and received. So Jesus repeats this phrase that he says many times in his ministry, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So in this powerful parable today, Jesus shows us that there's a wrong way and there's a right way to receive the word of God. And I want to start talking today about the wrong way to receive God's word. And there are three of these that we're going to talk about. The first wrong way can be classified like this. It's a hard heart where the word is stolen. So let's go back to Christ's parable. Jesus says that some of the seeds fell on a hard pathway. And the birds, they swooped down and they stole the word of God. And this represents a person who hears the word of God, but they don't retain it. It goes in one ear and it comes out the other. You see, according to Jesus, that process is actually happening right now. There's an invisible process happening in this room to every ear that's listening to this message today. That Satan and his demons are trying to actively steal the word from your heart and mine exactly the way those birds stole the seed from the pathway. That's why we shouldn't ever be um, surprised if you have trouble concentrating when you're trying to hear the word of God, when you're trying to listen to a sermon, when you're trying to read the Bible. The enemy's most effective tool is what? Distraction. And that's why so many times these type things happen in a sermon. Maybe a baby starts crying. Maybe somebody has a coughing fit. Maybe somebody has to get up and leave. All of those things, I believe, with all my heart, are caused by the enemy who's trying to distract you even today. 
So it makes sense, right, that Satan smiles when we lose our concentration on the Word. Uh, You may not think of yourself as a hard-hearted person, but if you can't concentrate on God's Word, your heart can become like the hard soil in the pathway. So a hard heart where the Word is quickly stolen. Let's talk about the second wrong way to receive the Word. A shallow heart where the Word is starved. Now, this is the person who hears the word of God and it's planted. And the truth is, they receive it with joy. They're excited to be about reading the Bible. They're excited about hearing what God has to say to them. They're happy about the word of God being given to them, but there's no depth in their faith and they're not truly grounded. You see, these people are depending on the warm, fuzzy feeling they get when the songs are sung and the sermon is powerful. But guess what? By Tuesday, well, it's all forgotten. And I think today, here's the term I want to offer them. I want to offer these kind of people the term Alka-Seltzer Christians. Okay? Now, when you drop two Alka-Seltzer tablets into water, they fizz like crazy for a few seconds, right? But then, when all the fizzing is done, they just settle down into funny-tasting medicine. That's all it is. And these Christians, these Alka-Seltzer Christians, they're happy people. But when their happy feelings fizz away, well, so does their faith. And it reminds us that we have to be more than emotional believers, We have to have more than an emotional faith. We need a deeply rooted faith in Christ to take us through the troubles of life. So a shallow heart where the word is starved. And now the third wrong way to receive the word is a crowded heart where the word is strangled. Now with this one, it's, it's actually very different. This one, the seed falls on good soil, Jesus says. And the wheat, if you will, begins to grow, but guess what? So do the weeds. Just like in my garden in my backyard. It's amazing how the good things grow, but also the bad things grow. And these weeds begin to choke out the fruit-bearing potential of the plant. And I think this is the condition that many believers suffer from today. I mean, I don't think Christians are so hard-hearted that you don't hear a word the pastor says... I doubt there are very many people who just hear it and giggle and walk out forgetting about it. No, there are many listening today that love the Bible. Uh, You love being here online. You love being a part of what God is saying to you even this morning. You receive it and you hide it in your heart. But then there are those other people. There are those other organizations. There are those other activities. There's that life out there, right, that so demands our attention and allegiances that God's word just can't be fruitful. In verse 19, Jesus identified at least three things that choke out the life from God's word within us. It's worry, wealth, and desire, right? They're like evil vines that can destroy any good plant. And and so that's how the parable begins, right? There is a wrong way to receive God's word. But I'm thankful also in this parable that it obviously gives us the other side. There's also a right way to receive God's word. So what did Jesus say? Let's repeat his phrase. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that's interesting. I think that Jesus says that. I mean, everyone listening to Jesus probably had ears on the side of their heads. 
And they were all listening to what Jesus had to say. But here's what I think we all know. Listening to Jesus isn't the same thing as having ears to hear. You see, Jesus said there's a kind of hearing where God's word takes root and it begins to produce a crop. And that's called productive soil. This is the right way to hear the word of God. And Jesus gives us three examples of productive soil. Now, I'm not sure if you caught it clearly, but here's what he said. Some produced 30-fold, some produced 60-fold, and some produced a hundredfold. What does that mean? Unless you're a Jewish farmer, you may not understand it. Because here's what it meant to them. A 30-fold harvest was considered a very weak harvest. A 60-fold harvest was considered a, a good harvest. But a hundredfold harvest, folks, that was a miracle. Nobody ever received that. That was the perfect conditions all season long to pr- produce this super bumper crop. You see, our spiritual goals, let's, let's, let's make the analogy. Our spiritual goals are to be fruitful. But here's the question Jesus was asking. Are you content to only be mildly fruitful, a 30-fold harvest? Are you content to be moderately fruitful, a a 60-fold harvest? Or is it your desire today to cultivate such a receptive, fertilized, fruitful heart that there's this miraculous multiplication of God's word? I mean, do you want to produce a hundred-fold harvest? And if you say, Pastor, I'd love to do that. Well, I need to tell you this. It's just like we've been talking about in our Wednesday night study. That does not happen accidentally. It's not just going to be that you wake up one day and you're this fruitful, fertile soil that can be used to grow these bumper crops from God's word. No, it's going to happen intentionally. You see, there are some things that you have to do. You must choose to do these things to develop a heart that's truly receptive, a receptive heart. I want to offer you these things that you and I need to be doing. Here's the very first one. You need to hear God's word attentively. Let's start with that one. You need to hear God's word attentively. Because there's a big difference between passive listening and active listening. Now, passive listening is when you aren't really paying attention. All right? It's kind of like a husband does to his wife sometimes. He's just not really paying attention the way that he should. Uh, it, it's also when you have a TV going, the radio going, but you're doing something else. You're just giving yourself background noise. But active listening is what? It's when you're paying really close attention to what's being said. Let me give you an example. When you've received some very serious medical testing... And it's finally the day that you go in to receive the doctor's report. It's in that moment that you practice active listening. You're tuned in. Your family's probably with you in the room. Everybody is silent. Nobody is fidgeting. Somebody, more than likely, has a paper and pen, and they're actually going to write down these medical terms that they may or may not remember. That's active listening. Did you know, though, that there are times when Jesus, Dr. Jesus, the great physician, has something for you to hear? But if you aren't paying attention, you may miss the fact that he also may just be using a plain orderly, like me, like others, to give a message to you. 
You see, God does speak. And that's why I've tried to make it a practice from early in my ministry. When I get to listen to the Bible being taught by somebody else, I always have a pen and paper in my hand and I'm always taking notes. Why? Because studies have shown that you retain less than 10% of what you hear, but you will retain up to 40% of what you write down. It's important that you take notes. In addition to that, let me offer this. We also should be committing Scripture to memory. Well, I can't remember anything. I'm too old. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. That's a cop-out statement. One of the best ways that I've learned to memorize Scripture is how? To write it down over and over. Albert Einstein said this, So simple, a short pencil is better than a long memory. Einstein said that. So I'm challenging you today to consider the intensity by which you listen And develop a receptive heart by hearing God's word attentively. You see, that's the first thing that we have to be doing intentionally to develop this receptive heart. Let me give you a second thing. Not only should we hear God's word attentively, we also should obey God's word immediately. So let me ask you this. What's the main difference between people who have hard hearts, shallow hearts, crowded hearts, and an open heart? What's the difference? Well, it's really easy to nail it down if you just want to do it simply. The person with that open heart, the person with the receptive heart, they don't hear God's word. They actually do God's word. They do what it says. In the book of James, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. No, do what it says to do. Now, now for many of us who have been Dallas Cowboy fans our whole life, um, we always remember the name Roger Staubach very fondly. Those were great days in cowboy life, right? No Jerry Jones, the great Tom Landry. I mean, these were the days that the Cowboys were America's team. But there were also issues most of us didn't know about. And if you read Stahlback's or Landry's books, you hear about the fact that Stahlback was troubled because he was a quarterback in the NFL who didn't get to call his own plays. A coach Landry sent in every single play. He told Stallback when to pass. He told him when to run. And only in a very dire emergency could Stallback change the play. And he better get it right, right? Now, even though Stallback considered Landry this genius mind of a coach, pride told him that he should be able to run this team, right? He was the quarterback. But Stallback in later years was heard to say this, and this is the whole point of me telling the story. He said, I finally faced up to the issue of obedience. He said, once I learned to obey on this team, there was harmony and fulfillment and victory. Now, so it is with God, right? Once we finally face up to the issue of obedience... It's then that there's harmony, fulfillment, and victory. And let me add one more, and harvest. So I want to challenge you today. Consider the immediacy by which you obey. Is it this process of God just spanking you and spanking you and spanking you to finally you say, okay, Lord, I I get it, I'll finally do it. Or is it something where God says, brother, sister, child of mine, excuse me, obey, and you say, yes, Lord. You say, yes, Lord. So develop a receptive heart by obeying God's word immediately. Let me give you a third way today. Develop a receptive heart by spreading God's word continually. 
You see, when you have a hunger for God's Word, you're going to listen intently, you're going to memorize consistently, you're going to obey immediately, but ultimately you're going to know you truly received it. You'll know your receptive soil when you do what farmers do with seed. And what do farmers do with seed? They go plant it again, right? Once the plant produces, they gather that seed and they go do it again. You'll change from being one of the soil types and you'll become an actual farmer. I think that's what Christ is saying in the parable. Wherever you go, you're going to be scattering and sharing the seeds of the gospel. So I'm challenging you today, consider how continually you spread God's word. Develop a receptive heart by spreading the gospel everywhere you go. Somebody say amen. So I guess what I really want to ask you today is this. Are you hungry for God's word? Do you have an appetite for God's word? You see, in my experience, when I've gone to a fine restaurant, the server may say to me, bon appetit. Now that's a French phrase, right? It means good appetite. Now let me ask you, why doesn't the waiter say, good food. Why doesn't he give me a platter and say, good food? Why does he say, good appetite? Because he understands the value of the food is in direct proportion to the person's appetite. You see, food's only going to be good if you and I have an appetite for it. If I've just scarfed down a dozen Krispy Kremes, I may not be ready for this incredible meal that's going to be given to me. So let's go back to Frank and Jerry. All the way back to the beginning of the message. Frank came to church starving for the word of God. But Jerry was already full of other stuff. And the same with Jessica and Amanda. Jessica was famished to hear a word from God. It was her senior year. She knew she needed to be guided. But Amanda, well, she was already stuffed, not hungry at all. So you see, that's the question of the day, I think. How's your appetite? Do you realize the power that lives in the seed of the Word of God? I want to close with this story. There's a famous pastor in Zimbabwe named Gaylord Kambarami. And one day, Pastor Kambarami was passing out copies of the New Testament, and this belligerent man, I've told this story before, I I love this story, this belligerent man comes up to the pastor and he says, Hey, pastor, if I take that Bible, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tear out the pages and I'll use them to roll my own cigarettes. But the pastor actually still offered him a Bible. And he said, sir, I'll tell you this, make me this promise, that you'll read what's on every page before you smoke it. So 15 years later, the pastor was at this conference, and this man runs up to him in the middle of the conference, and he said, pastor, 15 years ago, you gave me a Bible, and yes, I used it to smoke and make my own cigarettes. And he said, I smoked Matthew, strange phrase, right? (laughs) I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke. But when I got to that book called John, and John chapter 3, verse 16, he said, I couldn't smoke anymore because my life was forever changed. That man had become an evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, hear me. If that can happen then, it can still happen today. Have a receptive heart 
because there's power 